It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome back to the View from the Gladys Street podcast. After a long, long absence, the Everton Fan podcast has returned just in time for the Merseyside derby. I'm your host, Ian Kroll, and I'm joined by Rob Astle, Connor Bennett and Mark Rotti. First up, Rob, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all, thank you. Just a little update, you can find Rob on Twitter, at Rob Astle. Um, Connor? Next, how are you? How's life? I haven't spoke to you in a while. You're right. <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, sound you. Yeah, all good, all good. Good to have you back on the show. Um, just for the listeners out there, you can find Connor on Twitter at ConnorBennett14. And Mark, we can now verify that the view from the Gallery Street podcast has actually gone international because, Mark, you are actually joining us all the way from Australia. What yeah, are you doing in Australia, Mark? <laughs> Yeah, doing all right, apart from being half two in the morning, but the things you do for Everton, eh? Well, that's it. The things you do for Everton and the things you do for me as well. So, fair oh, enough, coming on the show. Half two in the morning in Australia. I can confirm that. Um, at the point of recording now, it is five past five. Um, so, it's not quite our bedtime yet. But um, just so you know, you can find Mark on Twitter at MarkRotty1878. And you can find me on Twitter at Ian Kroll. One. So, um, after the podcast, once you've listened, get in touch, drop a message, leave us some feedback and tell us whether you agree or disagree with some of the points we've made in this week's show. Anyway, it's good to be back. It's good to be talking about the Blues. And of course, it's good to see Everton top of the league. Today's agenda, we will recap the season so far and we're going to do a Merseyside Derby preview. Saturday, half 12 UK time. What time will it be? Your end, Mark, the, the time? Uh, uh, 10 o'clock kickoff Saturday night, so not a bad time. Time for a few shandies beforehand, and then <laughs> I'll be ready for the match on Saturday night. Nice. So, you're gonna, are, you, are you able to go out and to a pub and watch it over there, unlike us, unfortunately, at the moment, at this moment in time? We are, actually. And um, there's, a, there's an Everton and Adelaide supporters club, believe it or not, and they're meeting up Saturday. But uh, I'm... I'm soon. I, I don't like watching derbies and pubs and stuff. I'm just gonna sit in my own little living room and and, and just watch it because uh, my nerves will be gone. So yeah, not that try when we get beat, maybe something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. Let's start with you then. Um, just the season so far. I mean, what an absolute bland start we've had to the season. Um, is it is it what you expected? Um, more than what you expected, should I say? Definitely, it's definitely more than what I expected. I think. I mean, obviously, if you remember. The last time we had a podcast for View from the Gladys Streets, um, you know, I remember moaning about Sigurdsson playing in centre midfield, moaning about Tom Davis. It was just moan, 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 on it. And justifiably so, we were rubbish, let's be honest. Um, the signings have obviously uh, helped, but just everything just seems to have changed. The change in mentality, change in quality, uh, change in belief. Um, and yeah, I think. The opening day win 
gave us a lot of confidence and it's given us some momentum and we're building on that. Um, so, fantastic to watch the style of play, fantastic to watch all the goals flying in, um, some of the interplay, you know, absolutely fantastic. I'm sure we'll come on to talk about James a little bit as well, but he seems to have made such a difference going forward. Um, and yeah, you couldn't ask for more than seven out of seven and it's been a joy to watch over here. Um so yeah, I'm I'm just hoping that we can keep it going. Now it's been a great start, and yeah, let let's hope we can keep riding this crest of the wave. And what a fantastic chance to do that on Saturday. I mean, Connor, we we haven't just been beating teams. I know we had the you know the Spurs game one nil and stuff like that, but we we've actually battered some teams with high score lines, haven't we? So yeah, it's looking good, isn't it? Really? Yeah, there's been a few different ones as well. If you remember, like Palace was a bit of a scrappy one. You think? That's the sort of game last season where either we'd get beat in the end or we'd draw 2-2, like Newcastle or something like that. Um, but, yeah, like, well, Brighton, we were sort of just on a different level once we got that second goal. They were never going to get back into it. And it's been, obviously, enjoyable to watch and completely different from Everton, considering where we were in the restart, where we went to Wolves and we were just torrid last day of the season against Bournemouth, awful. And it's just like they've came back with a new sense of belief and they're looking at the players around them now like Hammers, Allen, Takore and thinking right we've got some genuine talent here like let's push on now and sort of try and find our true potential obviously only early days like but signs are great aren't they? Certainly are. Uh, I mean Rob kind of just alluded to there it was torrid or it felt like it was torrid towards the end of the season like the last last season anyway um, even with obviously Angel- Angelotti in charge we, we knew Hopefully, better things were going to come. We obviously weren't, we weren't quite sure, um, but we finally, finally had a good transfer window, and not even a good transfer window. It's been an epic transfer window, and the new faces have obviously had a major impact, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. You know, he's Ancelotti and Brands have gone out there, and they've, they've realised as soon as as soon as Ancelotti came into that into the club last Christmas, was that the midfield wasn't fit for purpose. So he's gone out there and he's bought three midfielders who've slotted straight in seamlessly and they all you know you've got Alan who protects the back four you've got Decora who's just your box to box and then you've got James Rodriguez who just he, I'm so like shocked at how well he settled in I thought we were going to end up signing like like another Kevin Morales to be honest with you but he just seems to be like on fire all the time and so he's identified the problems within the team and I think every Everton fan knew where the problems were so you know, I'm sure, that, and there's still things, some things to be fixed within the team. I'm sure we'll get onto the goalkeeper at another time. But he's got us now winning games because of that midfield. I think you know we're strong, we're competitive. Teams struggle to break us down. Um, so yeah, they have. They've been fantastic. Well, I will come on to Pickford because he is he is on the agenda, um, which is obviously one little negative um, from uh, from the the whole thing, but. You know, there are a lot of factors for, you know, the early start. And Mark, I'll, I'll come back to you. Um, but surely most of the credit has to go down to, to one man. You know, we know we, we've had a new signing. We probably wouldn't have got, you know, most of them signings without Carlo Angelotti. So you've got to give, you know, all, if not, you know, 99% of the credit to, to Carlo Angelotti and the way he's, he's transformed this team around so far. Um, yeah, but the, the, the man's a winner, isn't he? So he's assessed the squad from December through till the end of the season, albeit an extended one. Everyone's had a chance. Everyone's been given a chance. And, you know, he's sussed out the ones that weren't up to task. Um, and 
like Rob's just said, he then went out and identified what we needed. And it wasn't just about getting three midfielders in. It was three midfielders who complemented each other, had different strengths, but then they're bringing the best out of He slapped off a bit last season as well. Um, so if you look at the two full-backs, I thought Dinya and Coleman had suspect seasons last year, but all of a sudden now they're back to the level we expect them to be. Um Calvert-Lewin obviously has just gone to a different level now because he's having all sorts of chances creating for him. Other players look happier. Like I say, my mate from last season, Sigurdsson, I'm even going to give him a slice of credit at the moment. I think he looks a different player when he's been on. He looks hungry and wants to get involved. And so all of a sudden, it's given the, the rest of the players a lift as well. So it's not just them that's come in. It's the other players that have responded to that. Um, there's a lot more balance and shape to the side. There's a lot more... Um, belief in the side and I also think there's a lot more um, winning mentality and by that I mean they they are all there for each other I've noticed in a few little incidents now as well when when things are happening they're all there for each other they're all surrounding you know if there's an insult it's just a completely different side um, and like I say yeah, it's hopefully it's just the start and hopefully we can keep building but you know so far so so really good I mean, Conor Marks just mentioned there, Sigurdsson, and there's a couple of others as well. We've already, the you know, in the early stages this season, we've already seen how integral the likes of Sigurdsson, Delph, Awobi, dare I even say, uh, Davis, can be for us for the rest of the season. So it's we're, we're not just going to have to rely on the likes of Rodriguez, Allen and um, Decore, you know, those players have come in, albeit against, you know, not the best opposition in the world, but they've done a job and managed to get three points for us and get us through the cup competitions when it's mattered. Yeah, I've always been very anti-Sigurdsson, as people who listen to episodes have been on now. Like, I don't like him, and um, but he has been decent in the cup competitions, and uh, we, have, we, we played last year with decent um, in the league. He came on, he was he kept us ticking over and you thought, right, he's all right, he's got a place here. But I think the biggest credit's gotta to go to Seamus Coleman because the he was a player who I think everyone looked at and thought, if he doesn't shape up here, we're gonna get rid of him here because that's a problem at right back and every team seems to be advancing in the full back positions and getting really, really good pairs. But he's kicked on so much and gone back to sort of like the Coleman's of all, uh, Coleman of old and he's he's getting up and down and he seems to have linked up straight away with Hammers, hasn't he? Like some of the goals they've put together have been brilliant. Um, but yeah, uh, apart from that, I don't. I, it's it's a weird one. Like um, we've still got players there who you think that a issue if they come on. Oh, well, we all point to he's been brilliant in the cup. But when he came on against um, Palace, he was very very poor. And you thought if they're going to score here, it's going to come from him making a mistake. But then he made up for it against Brighton, and he was brilliant playing in Hammers for the that um, through ball late at the end. So I think. If players can get a foot in games like Awobi and like Sigurdsson have in the cup and then can sort of replicate that form in the league, you're thinking, right, well, we don't need to look at replacing these right away. Where six weeks ago we were thinking, he needs to go, he needs to go, he needs to go. They've sort of proved themselves now as they are actual valuable squad members. I mean, is it, Rob, is it just a case of, you know, three new players coming into the midfield and, and transforming it and then, you know, the squad players around who are obviously getting the, the chance when injuries happen. Is it just a case of those three coming in and, and you know it's completely transforming the team or does it come down to tactics, balance and everything else that comes along with it? I, I think 
tactics balance and the three players who came in, the three or four players who came in in midfield. But I think it's also like a case of self reflection. To be fair, you know, I, I remember Seamus Coleman said at the end of um, the end of the season against Bournemouth, he said, you know, the players have got to go away and have a long hard look at themselves whether they actually want to be here. And the players who, you know, the ones that we've mentioned and the you know the ones that were identified as like kind of like you know who you point point the blame at last year, they've to be fair to them, they've come back and they've done. They've done well, and it, it, so it's it's kind of like it's kind of a balance of all three, really. Because you know, at the end of the day, you, someone can have the greatest tactic in the world, someone can have the you can have the greatest players in the world, but if you haven't got the self motivation and 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 the self desire to go and win it and to, to go out there and be a winner, then you know you, you you're not gonna um, you're not gonna get very far, are you? So I think credit's got to go to the players personally as well who've stepped up because they've obviously been told to do so and they have done. I guess to a point, Rob, as well. If you can't get up and motivated as a footballer to play for a manager like Carlo Angelotti, despite the issues that you know you may have had personally in the past, then mm. you're in the wrong game, aren't you? Oh, completely. Yeah, you know, you know, it was it was. Um, Mark said it before. He's a born winner. The man is just a winner, and he he's. If you don't want to play for him, then you shouldn't really be playing football, really, should you? When you think about it, you only have to look at James Rodriguez. You know, it could be quite conceivable that he came here for like one last one last decent payday but he's quite clearly got like such a good rapport with Carlo Ancelotti that he's coming in and he's, he's playing out of his skin like I, it, it's been a while since I get ex- like I've actually been physically excited by a player and I'm like really thought I can't wait to watch him play next week and Connor out of the new signings who who's impressed you the most or who do you think has been the most important to the way Ancelotti has, has wanted to wanted to play I'd probably say to Corey, to be honest, because I think everyone knew the talent James had and he'd sort of like just come in and if he could get himself motivated again and sort of want to play like he did a few years back, that he'd be fine and he'd be right up there with some of the best in the Premier League. But to Corey, I've never been, or had never been convinced that he was that good when he was at Watford, to be honest with you, and we've always constantly linked with him. I just thought, just seems another player who's in the mid- midfield and he'll keep it going, he's a bit of a crab. But watching him play for us, Recovery, like wise, getting back. He's been perfect, Danny. Like sniffing out tackles against Palace and Tottenham, and then he's proven in the Brighton game that he can also do it going forward on a bit of like getting in for the um, assist to Amos, I think for the last goal. So I think he's been the most important. I, I think overall it'll probably be Allen, but we'll have to just wait and see how he recovers from injury and like moving forward and just helping the back line. But at the moment, it, I think it's got to be the core. I was going to throw a spanner in the works here on the core, just just to throw a bit of debate in, really, and you can agree and step in, anyone, if you agree or disagree. I completely agree with everything that Connor's just said about recovery and everything else, but has there been signs that he's been slightly sloppy in possession at times? Yeah. I think there's been a couple of times where, certainly because of the, the positions that he's obviously playing in the middle of the park, if you give the ball away, then highly likely you're going to concede the chance. It's not like if... Richardson gives the ball away. There's, you know, two lines of, uh, you know, midfield and a and a and a defence. I, f- I feel like that's one thing that he can definitely improve on. Maybe is maybe, I don't know whether it's concentration or you know just in terms of passing passing um, attributes. I don't know, but there's a couple of times where he's definitely given the ball away and it's put us in a, a couple of dodgy positions. Yeah, I remember a few against Spurs where he sort of tried to play it across the park to Gomes, and you yeah. think, oh, if, if they one of their quick forward nips in there, we're in trouble here. He got away with it, and he had. I thought everyone was singing his praise against Palace, and I thought he had a really poor first half. But second half, he sort of kicked himself into it and kicked on. That that is definitely one position where he can't. It, 
one skill that he can improve on now is sort of keeping a tick on him midfield. I think having Gomes and Alan there fully fit will help him as well because they are two pretty good players on the ball. And Matt, just on um, in terms of like transfer transfer window, I won't touch on it too much, but have you been disappointed to see some other squad players leave? Because I think we we expected a massive cull, didn't we, in terms of like we were just talking about the squad players there who have showed signs that he can play a massive part in the season and like so Sigurdsson, Delphin, Awobi. I think we all thought Sigurdsson, Delphin were finished with the club. They're not. But other squad players like Sir Keane, who's left on loan without a replacement. Again, Walcott, who's left um, on loan without a replacement. Are you disappointed that, one, they've gone um, and two, we haven't got a replacement in for them? Um, no, I'm not disappointed they've gone. I mean, Especially Walt, I'm, I'm glad Walcott's gone. He, I was never a <laughs> fan, and um, I think his time was definitely done at Everton. So um, I'm glad he's gone, and he epitomised um, what was wrong attitude-wise with the team and the club last season. I think he just, if you, if you wanted someone to epitomise what was wrong with the mentality last season, look no further than Theo Walcott. Um, Moise Keane's still on our books, let's not forget. So we don't know yet. I think if you know if he went away and scored 30 goals for PSG this season, albeit in a in a league that I'm I don't really rate, it's only gonna do wonders for him and gonna do no harm for us, whether that means him coming back or whether we get a big transfer fee from him. So the the jury remains out on him. I wasn't convinced of what I've seen so far, but then again he hasn't had exactly a long stint in the team. But to go on to the rest of the players we've got rid of no, it's been long overdue, isn't it? Schneiderlin, Nias, uh, Martina, Walcott, um, just plays that uh, just aren't good enough. And I'm glad that we've moved them on. I'm glad that we've, um, you know, that either the contracts are on out or we've managed to find them a new club or whatever. Um, and there's still a couple of more, isn't it? Hopefully, we can get rid of Bezic and Balassi last couple of days this week. Um, what about Bernard? Do you think? Um... He's got a role to play for now, um, but I think that they'll be looking to... Um, and and it, everything wasn't going to be done in one summer, was it? That's that, that, that's the main thing. I think we're going to be greedy. We would have probably got two or three more in and then, and then we're done. But um, there's, there's another... You know, another window next summer where I think Rob pointed to before about you know maybe the the goalie, maybe they're gonna go for a big first choice goalie next year. So Pickford's on his last sort of chance. Maybe then we will start pushing Coleman and get uh, a first choice right back in, and then maybe you know a, a big signing next year could be another forward player. Um, we've been linked with Josh King last couple of days. Let's see what happens there. But I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy with our forward options for. Uh, Ancelotti's first summer. If you look at the squad now compared to what it was at the end of last season, it's it's a different ball game. Um, so we've made huge strides. It can't all be done in one summer. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm impressed with our business, mate. I really am. Rob, I did say that we 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 have one issue. Well, we have two really. Everton, in terms of you know two things that could stop Everton from achieving success this season. One. I think I tweeted this the other day. One is coronavirus, because it could spread and stop the league <laughs> again. Um, and the second is Jordan Pickford, because he just seems to be the only weak link in the in the team at the moment. And when I say a weak link, it's a catastrophic weak link. Um, so let's talk about Jordan Pickford. What, what's up with him? I just, 
I just don't think he's got the the, the headspace to be to, to keep his concentration. I think that's that's what it's down to. You know, you look at the goal against um the goal we conceded against Brighton. Um that was people tried to blame the weather for that. Someone on um BT Sports, I think it was uh, was it um Steve Sidwell tried to blame it on the weather, saying if it was dry conditions, he'd have caught it. But I'm sorry, but that's just that's that's just not the case. For their first goal. For their first goal, yeah. I mean the second one he could have done nothing about. And then there's been I just don't think he's got the the concentration levels to be a top top goalie. I think he believes his own hype. I think he I think he's got an ego. I think he's this England number one stick, I don't think it does does him any good. Um you know, and I think he he almost believes he's like he's untouchable a little bit, um, and I'm just getting sick to death of him, to be honest with you. Is it? And I've mentioned this a couple of times now on this podcast. Is it the case of England's number one? The pressure of being England's number one. I don't think it's pressure. I don't think it's. I think it's it's believing your own hype of being England's number one. England, England aren't that good of a football team. Let's face facts. They've never they haven't won a major tournament in in since nineteen sixty six. They 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 always fail at you know the quarter final stage. Really, they're not they're not that good of a team. And and this pressure of being England number one, I don't think there's any pressure to it. I think it's believing your own hype when you when you get that far. I felt Joe Hart went that way as well, and it just seems to be like this thing where they believe they're untouchable at the, at, at some point. And Jordan Pickford falls into that category. You look at the goals he's cost us. And we're lucky at the moment that we've got such a good, a, a good team in front of them at the minute who just don't seem to know when to stop and create and, and keep on creating chances. Because if yeah, if we if we can see that goal against Brighton last year, we don't win that game. Our heads drop, and I just think we need to go out and buy next summer. Like Mark said, you can't do it all in one window. It's just impossible to do that. We got him by a top, top, top goalie. I mean, he's a bit of an enigma, Connor, isn't he? Because although he has been shocking in certain instances, especially the Brighton one, you know, the more you watch that, the worse the mistake gets. But if you remember back to the Tottenham game, first game of the season, Tottenham, although we played very well, had some great chances and Pickford made, I'm sure he made two worldly saves, as far as I can remember. So you've got, on one hand, he's just this nutter, erratic goalkeeper who just seems to laugh every time he makes a mistake and I don't know whether that's the nearest thing but on the other hand he is you know he can be a match winner but you need you need a balance don't you you can't have either you can't have either or you know it's got to be right that smack bang in the middle and he's got to it's got to improve yeah I've always been a Pickford fan up until probably the restart and I thought like thought oh this is a major issue now we need to sort this out I, I I've never I don't know what it is because as you say he, he has got that match winning potential. I remember his debut against Stoke last minute he made a one a great save I think off Shakiri or something like that after we were we were one nil up and I thought yeah we've got a keeper here now we can do this we haven't had one for a while but then since that he's just he's had flashes where you think right he is the number one here now and he's he's the next five ten years but then he does something like Brighton and you just think what is he doing. He's an absolute head the ball, but and that's not the first like that's not the first time he's done this. He's only Fleetwood. I think Fleetwood was even worse to be honest with you. The mm. overhead he could have done so much better than that. He just throws his hands up, he stands there, he catches it. He was he he strikes me recently since I say recently since the restart is that 
he's come under pressure from the two other keepers in the England squad, who I don't think are really that good, to be honest, and I still think he's better than them. But he's like, now, right, I've got to make two or three match-winning saves to sort of prove myself. I think he's letting that pressure get to himself so much so that it, it brings out his erratic side. And I think that's always happened to Goodison. I, I feel where he makes like a spill and you think, oh, and you can feel it in the ground. Like, how has he just spilled that? Keep hold of it, keep hold of it. And then if he makes another save, you sort of get off his back. I think he lets that pressure get too much into him and he loses it. Like, I don't, I don't know. The, like the best way to say it, but like it's just like he just completely forgets what he's supposed to do, and then ends up having a howl. And you think, all oh, right, here we go now. But I think we have, if we have a better, like the better mentality we've shown this season, where like as Rob said, we'd have lost that Brighton game last season. Now you think he can make that mistake, but you don't want him to make that mistake because ultimately it will cost us in the game. So I think he just needs someone at the club needs to look at him and say, right, we need to figure this out. What's up? He needs to. Have, I don't know. It was like the Michael Hulkey mentioned last season. He had a sit-down chat with someone and that sort of cleared his head and he got back and he's been pretty much brilliant ever since. I don't know who can do that for him, but I feel like that's what he needs to do. I mean, Matt, the, the mistake against Brighton, he wasn't even under any pressure, was he? And he, he goes and makes that mistake. So, you'll go feeling now. There's, there's, he's got no choice, really, but does Carlo Ancelotti work with Pickford for the remainder of the season? Um, and improving, you know, he has a long-term future at Everton or... We scenario two, we see Pickford continue as number one for Everton because he's probably still better than what we've got, um, and he continues to make mistakes, probably cost them as points against some of the, you know, the the teams who were going to punish us. How, how do you see it? Um, well, I, I think he'll start against Liverpool, but I think um, he's he is on last chance to now, and I think that's why Olsen's being bought in because they might just think well. If he makes one more mistake, we bring Olsen into the end of the season, have a look at our options and then go big next summer, maybe. So he really is no more mistakes now. That's it. My, I've uh, a couple of points I've picked up on there is obviously about pressure with him. I, I don't think he's clever enough to understand pressure. And I, and I think he, he comes across as a bit of a um, thick character. I really do. I just, I just think he's quite dense. It's just there's nothing there. He's just like, uh, um, you know, and, and he. <laughs> He, he sort of plays how he talks, um, and that comes across now in these mistakes. On the, on the flip side, what I will say, I think the standard of goalkeeping worldwide is pretty shocking at the moment. I, I can't name you five good goalies. I can't. There's one or two, and I think everyone makes mistakes now. Um, so he's not the only one. However, as an Evertonian, I'm not bothered about that. I want the best for us, and so I think... That's that. That's the be all and end all. So by this time next year, I'd obviously want either him to have recovered his best form and consistently, or I'd want us to go out and buy a new number one. Um, he he had one good game this season, which was actually the Spurs game, wasn't he? he? Made two great saves and looked quite assured, and actually won us the points in the end. Uh, well, contributed to winning the points in the end. Um, but like the lads have said, he could have cost us other points only for the fact that we scored more goals than obviously done what he'd made mistakes that we've that we've won them games. So there's a lot riding on Pickford now. Uh, and I do think it's one more one more mistake and you're out. And I think Olsen would come in then and um pick up the reins. So let's see what he does. Let's see how he responds. Um but yeah, we'll have to see. Well there's obviously massive pressure now because I think if he does make another mistake then there's gonna be calls to bring at least one of the standing keepers in, so massive pressure on him now to, to not make mistakes, and it couldn't come any worse. Um, well, 
worse, but we are playing Liverpool next. So before I get on to Liverpool, I just um, want to just want to ask Rob, in your opinion, now after you know the games that we played, you know we've won um, plenty in the league and plenty in the cup. Um, what can Everton achieve this season? Then based on the first round of results, and obviously to mention that we are um, we are progressed now through to the to the, the league cup, and we must surely now put everything into that quarterfinals, three games away from winning the trophy. Um, the League Cup now must become a priority now, surely. Yeah, I think I think every competition that we're in needs to remain a priority. You know, it's it's always a route to silverware in terms of what we can achieve. We've got we've got the manager in place to, to do to do decent stuff. We've now seemingly got the players. But I think I think what what I don't want to do is and we kind of fall into this trap every year. We kind of get like a little bit of overconfidence, Everton fans. And let's just do what we've been doing and taking this on a game by game basis. You know, we've got Liverpool next. It's our, it's, you know, it's our biggest test, no doubt about it. It's the, they're the Premier League champions. I don't want to wax too lyrical about them because, but they are a really, really good side. And I think Saturday will be a good benchmark to see where we actually are as a team. Because after that, we've got again, we've got some fixtures coming up which. Uh, last year, I don't think we did too good, too well in, or historically we probably wouldn't have done too well in. But really, we should, based on form so far, we should be going out and winning. I think the way Chelsea have started, which hasn't been great. I think the way United have started, which hasn't been great. Spurs haven't been, Spurs have been a lot better since the opening day. City haven't been great. This is the time where we've got to make it count. I know it's crap that there's no fans in there and things like that, but push that to one side and just try and achieve something this year and, but don't get too overconfident just take it game by game and and I think the results will keep coming then Just staying with the League Cup then Connor do you think Solskjaer will be able to hang on to his job long enough for the, that quarter-final match? I hope so <laughs> but um, I don't know I, I couldn't tell you who they've got next and what's going on there but they're a bit of a shambles. It's always one competition. I think I said this uh, last season when we played Lincoln. It's always one competition. I feel like I'll never see Everton win because we just never take it seriously. But we have done this season. We've had a decent luck with the draw so far, playing two lower league sides in West Ham. So I think, we, as Rob said, if we just have a, a real good go at it, then, yeah, we can, as you say, we're three games away from Wembley. We can do something serious, but it's a bit of a pain with it being December, isn't it? Because if it was like, Straight after the West, like the um, sorry, the Brighton game, you feel like we'd have, we'd have won that straight away. But now you're looking forward and thinking, right, we've got a month and a half now to let, let's see where we are with this, and we'll have to reassess close to the time. It's a strange schedule the League Cup this season, really, isn't considering you know, was it September the last game, and then the next one's not till um, December, yeah. December, I think, something like that. Like, it's like three days before Christmas, isn't it, or something like that? It's, it's not. Yeah. You would fully expect it to be at least end of October, November, or something like that. So it is. It is a strange schedule. But Mark, if we get to the final and fans are allowed in, are you gonna get a flight <laughs> over from Australia or what? Well, it's funny because I I said to my mates before I left to come to Australia, I said I've been watching crap for twenty years now. As soon as I go, you watch Everton be good, and um, yeah. I'm, <laughs> It's a form. It's exactly so. So no, I wouldn't jinx it, mate. I would not jinx it, and uh, and I'd, I'd I'd watch from over here and hopefully, uh, cheer them on over here. But I think um we've done the groundwork in that competition now, haven't we? So now we can attack it. Now there's there's you know we can play 
a full side against United. Uh, and I know it's a busy December, but United is even busier. They've got two Champions League games on top of what we've got. Um, so there's no fear from me about that fixture, even if it is um, two months away. Um, so we can attack that and we can attack the FA Cup as well. And, and, and obviously, at the moment, between now and December, it's just a game a week. So you're literally playing on a weekend, refresh all week, play again. And so like Rob said before, this is the time now to strike by the eye. It's, it's get the points on the board now whilst we can play a full side then we can recover. There's no Champions League or Europe at the moment to our benefit. So we want to get to December in a position where, you know, OK, might not be top, but we want to be in and around the sort of top four where we, we, where we can attack the month. And it's funny because I'm walking down the streets here and I've got my evidence up on whatever and people coming up to me going, ah, you're going to win the league and all that. I'm going, no, we're not, but I'm just enjoying it at the moment. So, um I said, I'm just enjoying the moments and let's see where it takes us. But it's it's funny the recognition you get because of four games and when people look at the league, you're top and all of a sudden, you know, your, your profile lifts, everyone's talking about you. And yeah, it's 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 absolutely amazing how football can can turn quickly. So let's keep riding that wave and let's keep uh, let's keep winning games, definitely. Absolutely. Um so it's Wednesday today. Um last couple of games or last round of international fixtures, I believe, maybe some um, tomorrow, but definitely for European fixtures, it's it's today. So um, the next match is the Derby, Mezar Derby. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We just don't beat Liverpool. We, we haven't beat them in 10 years. Um, we've been humiliated from time and time again. Um, but, and this is a big but, it feels a little bit different um, this season, doesn't it? So let's be positive just for this, this one. Go on, what are you going to say? Sorry. Let's be positive. How, how much of a marker would that put down? Um, for the re- remainder of the season if we were to beat Liverpool? Or is there no market? Is it just taking these games as it comes? Like I, said, like I said before, the Liverpool game's a big benchmark to see how far we've come. If we beat Liverpool, that'll lead us, that'll be six points ahead of the Premier, the current Premier League champions five games in. Is that five? Will it be five games in? Yeah, yeah. in the league, yeah. In a, in a league, yeah. And then, and then again, I think people, I always sign up with the league around about 10 games in. So you're halfway there to having a decent season. And so this time against Liverpool, it, to be honest with you, it doesn't feel any different to me. I just feel like we're coming up against a side which we don't do well against. And, you know, we had the perfect opportunity to beat them at their place last year in the FA Cup and we failed miserably, you know, when they played, when they played their kids. And it, it we, we've just got to, I think... I'm trying to be positive, but I, I can't. 
I just can't be positive about it. It's just I just don't want to get like too overconfident and too and too cocky about it. It's great news today that you know uh, Alan Richarlison and Seamus Coleman should be fit. That's that's fantastic news. Um, so that that's gonna that's gonna bode well for us. I think I think we're gonna be facing a little bit of a wounded animal on um, on Saturday. There, look, that seven two against Villa, as funny as it was, that was a fluke. That doesn't happen again this year for them. Um, I think, but if we beat them, I think people will start thinking, hang on a minute, this Everton team, it's the real deal and they're there to compete. So there's the, there's the incentive there because that's what you want. You want the you want teams to fear. You want you want to be the team that people want to beat. And it, it, it keeps you going as a team and it'll... It'll just like again, game by game by game, you just get better and better and better. And yeah, so I don't want to be too positive. But we're getting beat then. We're getting beat. Yeah, yeah, we're getting beat three 0 It's fine. Well, <laughs> Connor, what, was there a seven two hammering against Villa a fluke? And are you worried about the backlash? Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's it, as as we all know, like we don't perform in this game we do when it's at Goodison but we don't like seem to like threaten do we at Goodison it's always like we'll we'll get away we'll sort of get away with this unscathed and then we can move on with our lives when it's at Goodison when it's at their place no chance but yeah I do think like what we're going to be facing is a weird one I feel like they they might have wanted a bit of a smack in the face from Villa probably not a 7-2 smack in the face but they probably wanted to think right remember like last season they went what like like pretty much thirty games unbeaten or whatever it was before Watford had them off, and I feel like they probably need that this season. Think like we're not the same side as last season. Let's go again. And I don't know what they're gonna have in terms of a lineup because they've had a few positive tests and stuff like that. Like Rob said, I I can't get positive for this game because I look at the derby, the the FA Cup derby, and every time we played them over the last decade, and just think right, we're gonna get beat today, or we got a door and we'll think, right, that's all right, we'll move on with our lives. But I don't know. I can't it's it's the one game I can't get excited for, I can't get up for. I mean, like I can get up for when I'm at the game, but like I can't big us up in it, if you know what I mean. Like it's 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 horrible. I just don't like it. I'd rather be done with it every year and just give them the points and we'll play everyone else two <laughs> times a season. I mean Mark, Liverpool or FC super spreader, as a few have called them. Um few of their players <laughs> <laughs> A few of their players have tested positive for COVID, obviously, haven't they, over the past few weeks? So, reports yeah. this week said Thiago and Mane are going to be back. Um, they had one, I know Shakiri's tested positive, but I, don't, I know he doesn't play anyway. Um, what's the other fella as well, the midfielder? He, he, he was at the Yeah, yeah. He, did he have a positive test? Or was he just getting tested? Thank you, positive well, anyway, so Thiago and Mane, Mark, they're, they're obviously going to get a boost, aren't they, from, from that, certainly from Mane, which is, uh, I mean, he didn't play against Villa and it showed really that he wasn't in the team because he's he's probably their best player. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it, it's funny because um, if both sides are at full strength, but then the two weakest positions are going to be the goalie <laughs> um, on either side. So um, Yeah, I forgot about that. I think the two biggest. I think they'll both get tested early on. I think both sides will have a little go. But a few points of picks up on there. I, I don't. I don't think it's a benchmark for us because I think a benchmark for us this season is beating teams around 
what who we'd expect to beat because that's where we fail so often in the past and that's where we're going to pick up the majority of our points. We don't play Liverpool 38 times a season, but we certainly play 13, 14 other sides who on paper you'd expect to beat. So if you win all them games, that's where you're going to be challenging near the top. Um, so in that sort of sense, this is a free hit for us on Saturday and we can if we like if we do win then the confidence and the momentum is going to be unbelievable going into the rest of the season. If we get beat, then we've got a quick chance at Southampton next week to go and rectify that and bounce back. So I'm not I'm not setting this as a benchmark to see how far we've come because I, I, like I say, I think beating your Brightons and Palaces away and things like that, they're your benchmarks to get the routine wins that you should think that we would win. Uh, get they get them games won. So in that sense, um let's be positive and let's and let, let's just play our normal game what we've been doing let's get let's get um solid like we sort of have been apart from the goalie but also maintaining that threat let's identify where villa hit them which i thought was in between the the center halves and the fullback of ball in the channel was just killing them time after time uh, we can do that especially hammers if he's picking them little pockets he can put people in on a plate on Saturday. Um, but then at the same time, we know their threat, don't we? We know that Mane and Salah and uh, and Firmino are uh, formidable and we're, we're going to be up against it for periods of the game. So um, whilst being positive, it's obviously maintaining that, listen, we've we've got to do our jobs at the other end too. But I'm not I'm not fearful. I'd be nervous after the game. Or if, I'd be lying if they don't. It's a derby, but... Um, I do think it's a little bit of a free hit, and I just think that if we can, if we can approach it like that, and not have the nerves, not have the the tension that goes around the derby, approach it like we have every other game this season, that's going to give us our best chance of winning. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure you're going to go on to predictions in a minute, but yeah. Can I, can I just say though, Mark, you're saying there you're not fearful. It's all right saying that all them thousands of miles away, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I know, I, on Saturday night, I'll be my nerves will be gone. Trust me. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm kind of like me personally, kind of agree with Mark. I, I'm kind of in in Mark's corner because, like, at the end of the day, Liverpool are our rivals and one of the most successful teams in in English football. But it always seems like the end of the world when we get beat by Liverpool. Um, but if we do get beat on Saturday, then I think we do just need to to pick ourselves up and just just start again. Just because Liverpool got beat seven two against Aston Villa, it, it clearly doesn't make them a bad team. Um, who knows? You know, if they get beat by us, then people might be like there might be a crisis at Liverpool and stuff like that. But you know what it's like. You're two or three games away from the sack in the Premier League. I think the issue that we've got is is the hope and the expectation is clearly there because Villa have just smashed them seven two. You know, it's unheard of that the champions in English football in the history of English football have never been beaten uh, by that scoreline the following season after winning the league. So, you know. Obviously, we win. It's going to be fantastic, and unfortunately, we're not going to be able to celebrate like we would like to. But if we get beat, then Southampton next, and then Newcastle after that. It's like Mark said, games you would certainly expect to win, um, and just just carry on from that. I don't think we're fully gonna. We fully expect us to go and win every single game um, for the rest of the season. It's just not going to happen. So, Rob, do we? How do we beat them then? Do we? Do we do what Villa did? And you know, obviously, Villa have probably got a little bit more. Um, legs in terms of younger, youthful legs running up and down the pitch, but that doesn't mean to say that we haven't got that. We've certainly looked dangerous on the counter attack this season. So is that how we play it? 
I think I think we've just got to play our normal game. What we played, I think first first fifteen twenty derbies are always scrappy, aren't they? It, it takes a while for the first big chance to come. But yeah, we've just got to play our normal game. What we've played, we've proven this year that it works, even when we've gone behind and stuff. So you know, we need to get get, get the ball over to Hammers, um, so he can work so he can work his magic. And you know, Allen and the core need to be bang on their game and things. I wouldn't say we have to, I don't want us to change our way of playing just to suit just to suit them. You know, what we've done so far this year has has been has worked perfectly. So let's just do what we've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll we'll finish up um of the next couple of points, but just wanted to add that um project big picture um a storyline that's been in the media over the past couple of days i feel like they just made this kind of storyline up just for something to speak about to be honest because you know it's been going on reports over the past couple of days but connor do, do you know too much about project big picture you know it's been reported now that um it's been rejected by um premier league clubs in an emergency meeting and as far as i know um i didn't read the whole but um you know, from the bullet points that, you know, media outlets put up that have favoured heavily, obviously Liverpool and Manchester United, but also um four other clubs who were, you know, supposedly of the big six. So are you glad that this is something that is not gonna go to fruition? Yeah, well I as as you said that I didn't really read into it too much. I sort of seen the cliff the cliff notes and like they wanna scrap the league cup and the charity shield and um, there was a little sweetener in there for fans that it was going to be 20 quid and um, teams could show three o'clock games on their own website and stuff like that, which all sounds well and good when you think about it. At the end of the day, it was going to be like nine clubs, the longest serve in the Prem would get pretty much the say on what goes. And that benefits us. At the end of the day, we are one of them nine. But all it is is sort of like a power play to try and kick on the fabled European Super League they've been going on about for years. Like at the end of the day, we just need to just... If they want to leave, leave. We'll get on with it the rest of ourselves and we'll let the money go elsewhere. Like, it, it doesn't... It's greed at the end of the day and they've used a pandemic to try and hold everyone hostage because the football league clubs need money and that sort of it. That was all I really read into it. I didn't really look at it properly, but I see before uh, Barrett Baxendales demanded an apology, which sort of makes up for us not for, for us being in favour of the uh, pay-per-view. So we'll see where it leads. Did you read too much into it, Mark? What did you think? Yeah, I've been paying lots of attention mate, to it. Um, just on Connor's point, that I'm, I'm glad uh, Denise Barabaxin's has done that. Stokes up a bit of a, a fire before Saturday as well, doesn't it? Um, so, yeah. Um, it was very opportunistic. I mean, how ironic that it's come on the back of Liverpool getting beat 7-2 and United getting beat 6-1 and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we want to we wanna do this to help you. Uh, but really, it was like, no, it was a cry for, for us to protect ourselves. Um, and it was, it, not only was it opportunistic, but I, I thought the timing of it in terms of the, the pandemic and them understanding how, what the EFL clubs are going through, particularly those in League 1 and League 2, I thought it was disgusting, to be honest with you. Um, it was almost like a patronising pat on the head to them saying, oh, well, look, we'll give you a little sweetener, but in turn for that, um, you're going nowhere in the future because we'll be doing everything. Um, so I'm glad it's been shot down as quick as it has. Um, and do you know what's done my head in overall? This is, is this is this self-proclaimed or media-proclaimed big six. I mean, what a load of crap. Um, 
if 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 Spurs are a bigger club than us, then then I'm you know I'm stopping watching football because they, they've won two leagues in their entire history. Um, it's what 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 grants them being part of this big six and and going off to to do what they want. Protect it's just a load of nonsense. So I'm glad it's being shot down as as quick as as and I hope there's repercussions from it. I think people like Paddy need to go. He, he can't be doing that behind everyone's back and then being being a, a chairman of the EFL. It's wrong. So, um, and you know, why shouldn't it seem like Everton or Villa or Leicester or Wolves or Newcastle, all these other clubs who are on the who've been on the periphery of of trying to break into that? Why shouldn't they have a have a shot? Why shouldn't they have an owner come in going, "I want to make these the." The next champions, I want to make these the next European. Why should that? that that's the, that's the beauty of football, isn't it? That teams teams can have a go. If it's a closed shop and it's the same teams every year, people are just going to switch off. The beauty of it is that there should be teams like us ready for the next cycle of football. And football has gone in cycles since it's been started. And maybe it's just our time again now to to start challenging at the top. Um, so for me, mate, yeah, um, I'm glad it's been. Uh, nipped in the bud straight away, and I'm glad that the Premier League teams have uh, over overpowered them um, to show them actually they, they they can't do what they want. And finally, just to finish on the predictions, then Rob, before we finish on the predictions, sorry, just do you agree with Mark and Connor on that? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's it's it, like Mark said. The the one thing that made me laugh was this self-proclaimed proclaimed big six. Some of them just you know excuse the pun, but you know no don't know their history. <laughs> you know, at the end of that, you know, really, really they don't, you know, and and it, it's it, it 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 was a it was for me it was a deplorable coup on people on clubs at the moment who are quite vulnerable, and that's what they've played on. They've played on like the current climate, and you thought, right, okay, and they've used it as a as a bargaining chip to potentially stop them from leaving to start the Super League. Don't start your Super League; it won't, it, that won't last. Do you know what I mean? You know, and and yeah, it's great news that it, it's been it's been uh, voted down. What made me laugh was they, they've said um, the Premier League have said all twenty clubs voted it down. No, eighteen clubs voted it down. You know, the other the the, the two clubs here who come out badly badly from this are Liverpool and Manchester United, and that's yeah. all. That, and 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 um, and Parry as well on the EFL. Who there needs to be a long hard investigation into him now because that to me just seems like it's. It's a conflict of interest there now. Um, he's obviously working um, alongside his former employers um, a little bit too closely, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, couldn't agree more. Just, just on that, Ian, quick. I mean, did, uh, obviously, ask you a question. Do you think that this was Liverpool and United as clubs, or do you think this was just two American owners, opportunists looking to looking to develop their own franchise? Because I, I've Spoke to a few Reds who've been as disgusted as it has been. They they've not won today. I've seen ninety six. They had a poll with City fans. Ninety six percent of City fans voted against it. They won it. They, I, I personally do think that them two owners have dragged their clubs through the mud here, um, and I think there might be repercussions from them for it as well. But I don't know. What what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I don't think you're ever gonna you're gonna know, are you? Because the people who who are under the owners and employed, they're never going to come out and say, well, they told me to do it, do you know what I mean? You know, they, they put the plans forward and uh, Rick Parry got involved and, um, you know, I think Rob's right. I think, you know, I think he, I don't know what he was getting involved for, really. I don't know. I didn't understand it whatsoever. But I think it was just another ploy by uh, 
to the biggest clubs in England to try and you know acquire more power, more money, more rights, um, and not really have any say for for the you know the, the clubs below them and the clubs in the in the lower leagues. I just don't think it's sat right with anyone. I think it's been quickly shot down. Um, obviously today, which is obviously a Wednesday, so I'm glad. I mean, it's the the Premier League. What? Why do you need to change the Premier League? It's the best league in the world. You know, if you want to do this Super League, then it's going to have to, in my opinion, be in place of, of the Champions League. And why would you want to, you know, swap the Champions League for that? The Champions League's, you know, one of the greatest cup competitions in in the history of the, of the world. And that's what we're all aspiring to, to do, all aspiring to be in. And this Super League, it's the, the desperate, they just won't go away, they're desperate to do it. And I just think, just, just leave it. Just don't change something that is clearly not going to work and stick with something that is is clearly beneficial for for everyone that's what that's what's what i think no i agree Lee. um all right then well let's try and stick it into liverpool even further then on um on saturday let's predictions then rob we'll start with you predictions for the mesa derby on saturday uh i'll go for two one evan go ahead <laughs> <laughs> two one evan connor one one. We don't win derbies. <laughs> okay. One one. Mark. Um. Well, it's ten years to the day on Saturday, isn't it? Since we last beat them, um, mm. and that was two nil. So, I my my head's saying it won't be two nil, but I'm gonna say two nil because let's uh, let let's let's have a look at the omens. So, I'm gonna go for two nil. Ten years to the day since we last beat them, and that was two nil. So, up the toffees. I think the one thing, Mark, as well, that like you mentioned before, is that, you know, Liverpool have, in Allison got one of the best keepers in the world, but he's not going to be playing on Saturday. So that is a game-changer for me. Now, I know we've probably got one of the worst keepers in the league in Pickford at the moment, so, you know, it doesn't bode well in that sense. But Adrian is, is you know, prone to mistakes, so let's get at him and let's do it. I don't think I could go as far as saying we're going to beat them 7-2, like, obviously, Villa did. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'm going to say three uh, one. I'm going to say three one. I don't think I think Liverpool will score. I think they're too good not to score. Uh, so I'll go. I'm going to go three one. Let's do it. Wow. <laughs> and we we'll reconvene at um, well, it'll be three o'clock our end in the UK, and you'll probably be about what twelve one o'clock in, in, in Australia your end. <laughs> if we win, I'll be up all night. Let's be honest. So um, Zoom parties all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I'll have spirits of the blues blasting all night. Absolutely, yeah, fantastic. All right, lads. Well, um, we will be back next week for the post-match reaction show with the view from the Gladys Street. Um, Rob, Mark, Connor, thank you for coming on. We'll definitely get you all back on the show again. It's been nice to uh, speak about the blues in, in a positive, positive sense, uh, in a positive light for the change. So. Everyone out there, you've been listening to The View from the Dallas Streets podcast on the Royal Blue channel. You've been listening to The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.